Hey, I got something for you to ponder. If you're as good as you're going to get, then your life is as good as it's going to be. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, we want to thank our sponsor for today's show. That would be Harry's. Harry's Razors. You hear me talk about that? I'll tell you about how you can get a discount for your initial order if you're not yet a Harry's user. Well, we're going to have some interesting pieces on this show today. I've got an interview with my friend Pat Flynn on his new book, Will It Fly? We're going to talk about how can you determine if an idea is going to fly? What's the primary purpose of a business? Is it just to make money? Is that the primary purpose? Well, Pat has another idea. How can you identify your unfair advantage? Isn't that a great term? Wouldn't you like to know your unfair advantage? Well, we all have one. Pat's going to talk to us about how to find that. I'm going to talk about, I got a story to share with you about 10 pounds in 48 days. Somebody wants to know, will people give me money to fund my passion? Interesting question from somebody, and we're going to talk about it. Somebody wants to know, Dan, did starting a business improve all areas of your life or just your career and finances? Boy, that's a great question, legitimate question. Do we go into business just because we're going to be able to make more money, or is it for other reasons? Will it improve other parts of our lives? Well, I started off with the thought to kind of ponder before the intro today, that comes from a quotation from Butch Bella. Now, Butch is a Dallas entrepreneur, sales coach, wrote a book called 10 Essential Habits of Sales Superstars. Great book. But he says, if you're as good as you're going to get, then your life is as good as it's going to be. Now, what do you think? That, that's a pretty challenging thought. But the positive thing is, you aren't as good as you're going to get. I mean, as soon as you... Geez, hopefully just listen to this podcast. You're going to be better than you were 48 minutes ago. I mean, reading a book, going to a seminar, having a great conversation with somebody, driving a different way to work. There's all kinds of things that you are doing every day to make yourself better than you were. So you're not as good as you're going to get. Well, that opens the door for being better than you were. Opens the door for new possibilities always. Well, let me just share a little bit more about Harry's. Got kind of an interesting side story I want to share with you here. But Harry's is where I get my razors. I love it. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a, I don't shave my head. You know, I don't have a whole lot of growth. I could never grow a mustache. I don't think if I was paid to, I just have a little, little growth here and there as it is. But love having a Harry's to keep me clean and fresh every morning. If you go to harrys.com, use 48 days as a code to get $5 off. Now, here's my story around this. I was on a call with my mastermind on December 9th, December 8th, actually, December 8th. And I said, you know, I've had this kind of nagging 10 pounds that I need to lose. And I've had that on my goals for the last two years, and I haven't changed. You know, what's up with that? Well, Aaron Walker, one of the members of my mastermind, called me out on it. He said, Dan... When are you going to have that finished? Well, I just kind of off the top of my head said, February 2nd. Well, it's amazing what having a goal 
that is clearly identified. And, you know, you've heard me talk about what John Lee Dumas is doing right now with his Freedom Journal. You know, he's just rocking it with a journal that helps people set a goal and achieve it. If you haven't checked that out yet, you ought to check that out too. Just go to the Freedom Journal. You'll see it come right up. John's over $350,000 in his Kickstarter campaign, which is another story, a great story of success there. But he talks about having SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. Well, that attainable in there, you know, means that maybe you share it with some other people. We could also use really in that accountable. But, you know, having somebody else know what your goal is, is a great way to spur you on. Sometimes, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, if you're doing your own thing, I'm doing my own thing. It's easy to just be kind of isolated where nobody is really prodding us or challenging us. So sometimes it helps to share your goals so that other people will say, Hey dude, did you do that? Well, that's what we did there. And I said, okay, I'm going to have that 10 pounds gone by February 2nd. Well, I didn't think much more about it. And of course, you know, we were still, that was before, you know, Christmas parties and new year's parties and traveling that we had committed to and all those kind of things. And I, I kept thinking, no, I got to get rid of that 10 pounds. Now here's the deal. Aaron had said on there, okay, uh, if you don't do that, let's see, I'll, I want a, a lifetime supply of Harry's razors. I mean, he, he's, he's a Harry's fan as well. He said, I want a lifetime supply of Harry's razors. So I've had that kind of nagging in the back of my mind. What would that mean? If I don't lose the 10 pounds, what would that mean to give Aaron a lifetime supply of Harry's razors? Well, I focused on losing the weight first. So I just cut some things out, was consistent about doing some things, consistent about fasting on Mondays, which I like to do anyway. It's just kind of a refreshing time to clean my system, think, meditate, and pray, but do that on Mondays. But that combined with cutting out some things and in fact, jumped on the scale on January 26th, and I had, in fact, knocked off the 10 pounds. Now, that puts me back into my old college days in terms of weight. Not that much different, but it, it's certainly a place that I wanted to be. So I'm feeling good about that. But then, having done it on January 26th, I realized I was a full week ahead of when I said I was going to do it. So I was a full week ahead of the February date. So I went back to December 9th and counted the days, and you know what's coming how many days you think it was between December 9th and January 26th to lose those 10 pounds? 48 days. I was joking with my granddaughter this morning. She just is amazed at how often the 48 shows up in our lives. And I didn't really push to do it. I, I had not calculated what 48 days would, where that would put me. I hadn't calculated that until after the fact and then realized, yes, it was in fact exactly 48 days. Well, I also... In the mean, after that, then I got to thinking, well, what would have, have meant to supply Aaron with a lifetime supply of razors? Now, he does shave his head. So I said, well, I don't know. What does he use? Maybe a blade every two weeks. Certainly the blade, the five blades that Harry's provides would last two weeks. I, I think that, I hope that's a reasonable kind of time frame estimate. But with that, that means that he's going to use 26 blades a year if he uses one every two weeks. That'd be 26 blades, be $187. You know what that is? I mean, it's a dollar and 87 cents a piece. I just went online to check that. It's a dollar and 87 cents. If he uses one every two weeks, guess how much money that is? 
$48.62 a year. Well, Aaron's going to be 55 here in a few days. So let's say that uh, I supply him for another 30 years. Let's just round it off, make it another 30 years. So that'd be 30 times my $48. That'd be $1,458.60. Well, anyway, I'm not going to have to do that. I got off the hook, but it was interesting how that little bit of accountability prompted me to go ahead and get on the, get on the gas to make it happen. Whereas two years had passed and I really hadn't done anything, even though I had it on my goals. Well, if you got something on your goals, say, share it with me, share it with somebody, tell somebody so we can hold you accountable for that fun story. Well, let me talk about some of the success things that are happening out there. This comes from Jeff in Sandy, Oregon, who says I'm going through 48 days um, right now. I'm realizing that I'm headed in a completely different direction than I ever thought I would. I've always fixed things, maintenance, technician, handyman, but I always found myself drawn to the arts in my free time to the point even that I tried to perform those tasks while working. So now I'm in technology. I've been given the chance to design equipment in the machine shop. I love it, but I'm sort of stuck. So when it came time to write the cover letter, it mentions to list my skills and interests. All I could think of was art, songs, books, poetry. I never considered doing those things for a living. I never even knew I could make money doing that. I'm so excited about the prospects. I already have a book in the works. Thanks, Dan. Well, Jeff, thanks for your, thanks for your note. Let, let me also throw in a little bit of caution here. Because you've always been able to fix things, doing maintenance, technician, handyman. And now you have a chance to design things. You've always been drawn to artistic things. Don't overlook the opportunity to use your artistic skills, your desire to design and create in the environment that you're already in. I mean, if you're in a physical business like that, where you're having a chance to design better equipment in the machine shop, I mean, chances are, um, ch- chances are for one thing that you're making a whole lot of money than most artists will ever make. Now, you know, I believe artists can make money, but is it challenging? Yes. But I'm not sure that I'd just burn that bridge with what you're doing now, using artistic creative design skills in a machine shop, thinking that now you're just going to write little cute books of poetry and make money. That's a challenge. A lot easier to use your design skills in the industry you're already in. So just be careful about that. Just look for opportunities to be unique in that environment, be able to stand out there and perhaps scratch that itch about your creative skills that you want to use. Great story. Sarah says, been listening to 48 days in entree leadership for about a year now. I say you can't listen to such podcasts without eventually acting on them. Started a niche reusable potty training shop online and I'm shipping my first order today. Now listen, listen to that. Reusable potty training shop. All right. I used to have an online reusable cloth diaper shop, but it got too big to manage while homeschooling, so I sold it. I've been out of the business over four years. I've missed being a small business owner. Wrote a business plan in November, then started writing, completing to-do lists, eager to see where this business will take me, how much my four children can learn from this experience. Thanks for your encouragement and wise advice. Well, thanks for doing what you're doing. Golly, you can go to, let's see, their website is Johnny and Jane potty train 
johnnyandjanepottytrain.com. Go there, check it out. I know they got books and things, resources around a niche topic like that. I mean, I love those niche topics where somebody says, I can be excellent in this. I have some unique information in this arena. Somebody recently told me about a guy who is the chicken whisperer, the chicken whisperer. And he has information about how to treat your chickens, how to communicate with them, and is making a whole lot of money providing information on that. You can find him too. Just look up Chicken Whisperer. He'll come right up. But congratulations to Jeff and Sarah for moving into the things that they want to do here. And because of that, we're going to crank up our We Are the Champions song here and then be ready to move into some other questions, some other segments of our show today. Well, you know, I love to put people into this category. We are the champions. If you got a story that you need to share with us, go to 48days.com, click on Ask Dan. You'll see a place there where you can share it. Or you can just shoot an email directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Make sure you share your story of success. I'd love to share those. We got a whole bunch of people again with, with books, new products, new courses they're releasing. Lots of things I see coming down the pike. Got a whole gang of you coming here for Coaching with Excellence in a couple weeks now. Eager to hear the stories there. And I know some of you are already well into the game in terms of creating products and services that you're delivering. A couple other things I want to share. And then we're going to go right into my interview with Pat Flynn. But Donna Reed has a great blog post in 48days.net community on last minute bookkeeping tips before you see the tax man. Now it's that time of year where you better get your records together. And especially if you're doing something on your own, even if you have a, a real job, but you're doing something on the side, make sure you have your records together. Donna will tell you what you need, how to gather all your fiscal records, how to sort and categorize those, how to make sure all your income is documented and your expenses are documented. You can check that out. Again, last minute bookkeeping tips. Thanks, Donna, for that. Thanks to Jen McDonough, as always, for pulling the interesting things that are happening in the 48days.net community. She's my eyes and ears there, knows what's going on. You can communicate with her if you got questions, but she lets me know who's doing something that is making a significant difference as well. And then uh, Terry Hathaway has a post up. It's all about helping people. Talks about the principle of helping people and then talks about how you know we're we're doing that through the new 48 days to the work you love seminar he's our group leader for that you can contact terry just shoot an email to to terry at 48days.com or go to 48days.com slash acres and it'll put you right in to get in information on how to facilitate that again we're looking for 1000 business partners to help us get the message out Business partners, in fact, true business partners, where you can make money facilitating the new 48 days material. We got it all laid out. It's beautifully done, and we're eager to share that with you. Now, I'm going to go into my interview. Pat Flynn has a new book coming out on February 1st, Will It Fly? Now, Pat creates great content. Pat is one of those gracious guys who shares so generously with people, and I wanted to talk to him about his book, Will it fly? So you'll hear me ask some questions and it goes, it it addresses the kind of things that we need to discuss right here every day. So it ties in perfectly. Here's my interview with Pat. 
Well, Pat, it's a delight to have you on here. You're someone that my audience is very familiar with, the resources that you share so readily at Smart Passive Income. So welcome into 48 Days. Ah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Dan. Well, I'm excited about the new book you've got coming out, Will It Fly? What, to, what an engaging title, and I'll be asking you about that in a minute. But I want to get right into the meat of the book. You talk about understanding yourself before launching an idea. Now, it seems so easy to just duplicate what someone else has done, and yet you recommend looking at your own goals, what's important to you, and how you define success before you identify an idea. What are the dangers of just trying to do what someone else has done? Well, what somebody else has done is is maybe great for them, but how do you know if it's great for you too? And we, you know, we live in a world where everybody's sharing everything these days, so it's really easy to get excited and to to see what somebody else is doing and, and to want to do it just like them. Um, and you know, there's some good intention there in terms of getting motivation from somebody else. But when it really comes down to it, we got to understand why we're doing what we're doing, and if what we're doing doesn't align with why we are doing whatever we're doing uh it's there's going to be some breakage somewhere you know i've had the benefit of speaking at a lot of conferences lately and typically the nights end after the networking party is at some bar somewhere and i'm having these conversations with different entrepreneurs and a lot of times these conversations get really deep and we get into we get into talking about life and all that stuff and a lot of times these entrepreneurs who i talk to i discover that a lot of them who are very successful you know on paper they're making a lot of money they have a lot of their, their, their email list is huge and all those other numbers that are really important to us, um, but they're not happy and they're not fulfilled, and they ha- have failed as a parent or they failed as a spouse. And you know, it, it doesn't matter to them that their business is successful. The other parts of life are not successful as well. And so, you know, when we have these conversations, I'm actually really curious because as entrepreneurs, as as the creative types that we are, we we get to shape our life in, in any which way we want. So when I see people who are here, um, you know, up a ladder but up the wrong ladder, it, it, it you know, I get curious and I discover a lot of times that people rushed into things by taking that first opportunity and not really giving it thought to how it actually fit into where they want it to be um, by not really, you know, feeling things out and, and understanding how it really fit into their overall life plan. Or, you know, some people are, you know, even though we always try to, you know, get away from the nine to five job, you know, and people feel stuck in that job. I know a lot of people who feel stuck as entrepreneurs too, because they're doing something and they might have employees and, you know, they've got other lives to take care of beyond their own. And, you know, the business is, is successful, but they're just not, not happy with, with, you know, the niche that they're in or what they're doing. They don't feel ultimate fulfillment from that. And so, you know, it's definitely very dangerous. It's, it's very dangerous to just try something that somebody else has done without first putting in the effort to discover, well, how does that actually fit with you? Because that other person is somebody that's totally different. And we are all different people, of course. So we all have different reasons for doing what we do. We all have different strengths and abilities and weaknesses. And it's important to know who we are first before we d- determine what we do and yeah. why. Oh, absolutely. And well said. That certainly Thank you. confirms what my audience hears again and again and again. Look inward first, then look at the application. And so true if you're trying to do something creative or non-traditional. Now, you also talk about the dangers of pursuing an idea just to make money. I mean, isn't that the primary reason we all start business? Is the goal of serving others really realistic when the mortgage is due? I mean, absolutely. I mean, yes, it's important to generate an income. And when you're creating a business, you want it to make money. I mean, it wouldn't be a business if it was not making money. I mean, at least not in in the long-term sense of it. Um, But I found that over time through my own experience that every time I've built something 
for the purpose of making money first. Every time I was attracted to something and did it because the money was there, I have failed every single time. And there's a number of examples in the book, one being, you know, my first foray into the software space and seeing a few of my friends, you know, again, chasing what they were doing and not really understanding how it fit with me. But I got into the software space building WordPress plugins because I saw a couple of my friends making six figures after their launches. And, you know, I just, you know, dollar signs coming out of my eyes when I saw that, you know, so I rushed into it. I didn't validate an idea. I hired a developer on the spot. I actually lost uh, over $15,000 as a result of this little experiment that I was running, and I had never even sold those plugins, they it was they were they ended up being terrible ideas, <laughs> and you know it's 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 you know it failed for a number of reasons. It failed because I didn't uh, properly wireframe what those ideas were. I didn't actually consider all the ins and outs of what those things were. I didn't visually draw them out to make it easy for the developer to understand how to create those things. You know, the my developer and I actually had a lot of um, you know back and forth kind of heated conversations because I expected things in a certain way, but I didn't portray that. And I expected him to do things in my way when I didn't really even share what my way was, or he didn't even know or define what that was to begin with. And so it was actually all my fault. Um, I also rushed into it by trying to do two things at the same time. Um, I also hired the first developer that I had on the spot, which wasn't good. And again, those ideas were not validated. And all of those missteps along the way started because I, I wanted the, to get in on that money first before anything else. Oh now on the flip side, every time I've focused on serving my audience first, I've always been rewarded and rewarded in ways that are just incredible and beyond just the money. I mean, it's one thing to make money and have a successful business, but it's another thing to have a successful business that you know is actually helping people. And when you can help people, when you can serve people, they will want to pay you back for what you've done for them. And if you do give them the opportunity to do so, I think this is where a lot of people, you know, mix up that whole thing where, you know, the, we talk about delivering a ton of value and giving away a lot of information for free. That's great. But at the same time, if you're running a business, you need to give people an opportunity to pay you back in one way, shape, or form. And when you can align that with the idea of serving first, you know, your earnings just become a byproduct of, of doing that. And so that, that's been my philosophy and what's always contributed to my most successful businesses. Ah, well said. You know, in some ways it seems counterintuitive to what we're taught out there, just chase the money. You know, college grads are looking at who's hiring, you know, who's paying the most. Right. And yet real life teaches us exactly what you're saying. Well, and here's why this works, Dan, is because a business is simply a solution to a person's problem. A business is not what you think is going to make you the most money. It starts with the problem. So you know through the sequences and the steps that I t- tell about in the book, it's, it's all about serving your audience because it's about discovering those problems first. Everything else comes after that. The, the decision-making on what your business becomes and how you share your business and what you do all comes from that problem that you're trying to solve. So it must be you serving other people first before anything else. Yeah, hey, well said. Well, the book is Will It Fly? Pat, there's a phrase that you use in there that I absolutely love, and that is your unfair advantage. How can a person identify their unfair advantage? Well, your unfair advantage, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to say this. It's, it's what are you good at? 
beyond, you know, that, that other people aren't? Or what's that thing that you have that nobody else can, can get a hold of? Or, you know, your superpower. We've been hearing a lot about what, what our superpowers is. And it's really important to understand what that is because it is an advantage that you have. And it's almost one that you consider to be unfair amongst your competition because it's nothing they can have also. And it's really, really important to do this. I actually, one of my favorite exercises in the book is chapter four, which is called the shark bait test, which literally puts you through a thought experiment in the hit show Shark Tank. And I don't know if you've seen that show. I, I think most entrepreneurs have. Oh, yeah. And so you put yourself in this show and you're right there and the sharks are watching you and you've just pitched your idea. And then Kevin O'Leary, you know, Mr. Wonderful in the middle, he presses his fingers together like he always does. And he says to you, well, what's stopping me from hiring somebody else to do exactly what you just said? Why should I work with you? Absolutely. And it's a, it's a tough question. I mean, I've seen entrepreneurs just break at the knees when he asks that question on like live on camera. It's a great question. It's one that is necessary to know the answer to. Now, even before you, you consider what your idea is, you have to understand, well, what is it about you that nobody else can touch? And to discover that, there's a number of different ways to do that. And one of my favorite ways is to simply ask others what they feel about you. And this is a very difficult exercise, but I actually picked this up from a few friends. Actually, there's a good friend of mine. His name is Greg Hickman. And he actually emailed me. The first time I heard about this exercise, he emailed me and he asked me, he, he was like, hey, buddy, you know, I, I appreciate our friendship and I want you to be really honest with me. This, this, you, you know, your response to this email will truly help me out. And, and I want you to be completely honest, no hard feelings. Question number one was, what do you feel that I'm good at? And it was kind of odd for me to, to, ask, to, to have my friend ask me this question. But as I kept reading along, I understood what the purpose was. This other questions were like, what do you feel like I could use improvement in uh, when it comes to my business? Um, and it was a very honest email. And I gave him honest answers. And as a result of that, he's made, and, and I'm sure a lot of other correspondence with a lot of other people, he's been able to figure out what he's good at. And he's been able to utilize that unfair advantage, that which makes him him in all the businesses that he does because nobody can touch that. And in this very competitive space of business now in, in the online internet world that we live in, um, you need to know what that is or else you're just going to be, you know, second best if that. Um, and nev never, I mean, as Chris Ducker say, says, we are all 100% original, right? <laughs> and we should all use ourselves to our advantage. But Sometimes we need the help of others to tell us why we're original. And if you can go to people, you know, you could start with friends and family, but actually if you have a little bit of an audience, I would actually reach out to people in your audience to tell you what they feel you're good at. I've done this a few times, and this is where I discovered that I was personally really good at deflecting the curse of knowledge and that I had this knack. I thought this was just, just you know, normal, but apparently I have this superpower uh, to take really complicated things, extremely complicated things, and put them in a way that makes it easy for somebody to understand. So, you know, as uh, you probably heard this from Chip and Dan Heath from the book Made to Stick, there's this thing called the curse of knowledge, which is when you know something, it's almost impossible to know what it's like not to know that thing. That's so it's hard. Right. 
you know, to know what it's like, you know, when you're teaching somebody something, it's difficult to know what it's like from their perspective because you already know that thing. But I have, for whatever reason, people tell me that I have this uncanny ability to put myself in the shoes of my audience to make it easier for them to understand. And now that's what I do. And, um, you know, to do that and also report on findings and in, in, through my experiments and that, I mean, that's why I call myself the crash test dummy of online business because like at every good crash test dummy does, they put themselves on the line and they report back to help make it better and safer for everybody else. Yeah, that's great. Well, I've seen you do that. You know, one of the ways to get honest feedback as well, and I know you're a big believer in the concept of a mastermind. I heard you last year at Social Media Marketing World, your presentation on masterminds. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we lose the ability to have people give us honest feedback because we're not working on a team. We don't have a boss. We don't have employees. Mastermind is a great way to get that direct feedback to help us understand what is our unfair advantage. Great, great stuff. So often when someone has that great next idea, Pat, for, you know, the the next Frisbee, Facebook, (laughs) Angry Birds, whatever it is, their tendency is want to keep it a secret until it's totally developed and then they just spring it and launch it on the world. You encourage in Will It Fly, you encourage a person to share their idea with everyone. Now, isn't there a big risk with somebody stealing my great idea? Well, yeah. I mean, there's nothing stopping somebody else, somebody else from from taking that idea. But, but, he, he, and I'm going to quote uh, a person named John Saddington, who I talk about in the book, because he actually, this is a guy who I interviewed on my show, who has built and sold multiple businesses across all different spaces for over millions of dollars. And so, you know, I was very curious when I got him on the show. I asked him, well, what's what's the first thing you do when you get an idea? I'm curious because I want to know your process. And he said, I talk about it with as many people as possible. And that was surprising to me because I had those same notions. You know, what's stopping people from copying that idea? And his reply was was very motivating. He said, well, nothing. Nothing is stopping them. But here's the difference between you and the next person on the street who has a great idea. If you're committed and you love the idea, you will actually see it to completion. Most people never execute on their idea because they just never execute. And the reason he's a, he's a success is because he does it, and and we are the ones who are going to be able to do it. And when you talk about your idea with others, I mean, they might think it's a great idea, but here's another question to ask yourself. What are you risking by not telling people about your idea? And so with this software company that I talked about earlier, I talked about my idea after I built it, after I spent $15,000, and it was really easy for me to understand after that that those were terrible ideas. Mm -hmm. I had wanted to keep it a secret because A, I was scared like you had just said, but also B, I wanted to keep it secret because I wanted this big grand reveal on launch day. Like, oh my gosh, this incredible plugin that Pat created. Well, I shared it with a few people beforehand just because I was like, you know, I want to know, I wanted to get their positive feedback on it. And the feedback was definitely not positive at all. And if I had switched it around and first told a few people about the idea, it would have been very easy for me to understand that that idea I had was not great. But in addition to that, you are going to get the reactions from other people on what that idea is. You're going to have and allow people to poke holes in that idea, holes that need to be poked now instead of later. And also you're going to get potentially a lot of people who are going to give you better advice on what it could become or what else could be included in it. So I feel like, yes, there is risk with telling people about your idea, but there's better and greater risk, excuse me, greater risk in not sharing that idea up front. I agree 100%. More risk in not sharing 
and sharing and having people poke holes. And, you know, nobody's going to invest the time and effort required to develop the idea. Anyway, people are busy, get their best ideas, and then go on in a better path. Well, your title of the book, Will It Fly, is, I know it's more than just a catchy play on words. You know, you really do compare launching an idea to getting a plane off the ground. Mm -hmm. Give us a couple quick comparisons to actually getting a plane off the ground and launching an idea. Yeah, you know, like I love this plane analogy, and it's it's it doesn't have to do with Marty McFly and Back to the Future, which a lot of people think because I'm this huge Back to the Future nerd. <laughs> you but are. Um, the you know, the, my favorite one. I mean, there's a lot of them. Obviously, you know, when you launch something, the launch is just the initial process of, of the start, but will it actually keep going? Is it going to fly? You know, flying, you know, there's a lot of things involved with the aerodynamics of flying. You know, your wings, do you have the right wings? Do you have the right construction? But there's more than just the the, the construction of the plane that actually makes it take off. It's, it's the wind. You know, it's all the other forces that are happening around it. And actually, one of my favorite quotes uh, comes from, Hen I believe it's Henry Ford, but, you know, I'm going to misquote this, but it's about the fact that, you know, the airplane needs the wind that's actually working against it mm -hmm. to, to take off. And as entrepreneurs, we have a lot of things working against us, of course, but that's what's going to help push us forward and actually give us lift. Um, and then the other analogy I like to share in terms of the, the plane analogy is the fact that, you know, if you don't understand where you're going, if you don't have a destination, if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, like we talked about initially when we started this conversation, Dan, well, it's like getting into a plane and driving just drive it in the open air. And you know, in the beginning, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's cool. It's different. It's exciting like it is when we start a new business or have an idea. But then eventually, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to eventually run out of gas. You're going to be grounded again. You're going to you know, run out of power. You're going to be back on the ground and you might end up further away from where your goal should be if you don't know where you're going. And if you have a destination, yes, you're gonna be flying and the wind's gonna push you off one way, but then if you know what, where it is you wanna go, you can just you know move the joystick back, joystick, because I'm you know into video games, but um, you, whatever it is called in an airplane, <laughs> um, you, sure. the rudder or whatever, you, you move it back so you, you course correct. And you know, you're gonna run through a storm here and there, and then you're gonna have to just maybe go around it. There's a lot of different analogies when it comes to building a business and flying a plane, but, that, but that's my favorite. The fact that you have to have a destination or else you're either going to just lose gas and be grounded again or you might uh, you know, fly right into a storm um, if you have you know, these things helping you. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, pilots, actually, they share information with each other to keep each other safe, right? And it's, it's like that online, too. You need to learn from others on their based on their experiences so you can avoid those storms and so they've flown pl i mean planes fly every day through all different kinds of routes and storms and they adjust based on where other planes have already flown to make it easier for everybody else and so that that's really what it's all about i could go on and on but i i just love uh th this this plane analogy i actually start the book with a plane analogy related to a paper airplane that my son made and he he threw a plane the first time he built one and it just didn't fly anywhere and his initial words were i hate paper airplanes mm -hmm. um and i think that's how a lot of people start businesses right because it's kind of cool to see somebody else fly an airplane or paper airplane but if you try it yourself and you fail you just immediately just discount that and you just don't believe in it anymore you hate it because it's it didn't work the first time but to succeed in business you have to understand that a failure is a part of the process um to getting to that point of success oh my that is that is so important to understand you know sometimes people assume that the opposite of success is failure but it's not failure is on the same path as success it's a necessary yep. component 
of getting to our ultimate success. I think the I think the opposite of success is probably mediocrity. You know, sometimes just being content with the way things are mm, is the, that's a good one. The, I was going to say giving up. Yeah. Um, but complacency is 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 a problem too. Oh you know, just, my gosh. Oh man, that yeah. I love that one. Being, being comfortable is maybe you're, you're having you the farthest distance from your ultimate success. Right. Well, hey, I'm talking to my buddy, Pat Flynn. The book is Will It Fly? Pat, tell us where people can connect with you for the book. And I know you're going to have accompanying information uh, with that as well for getting their own idea off the ground. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, you can check out the book and, and get all the information about it at willitflybook.com. Again, that's willitflybook.com. And, um, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn if you have any questions about it. A lot of people are using the hashtag willitfly on Twitter to share a lot of the exercises they're doing. Um, you know, there's actually, uh, I, yeah, I'll give it away. But, you know, there's one exercise where I actually have you fold a paper airplane with certain things that you write on it. Uh, but, you know, you actually fold a paper airplane and you can share it and, um, you know, make it fly. So it'd be kind of, it's kind of a cool way to get the community together and see other people who are actually taking action, too. Well, hey, I'm excited about it. I love the concept. Loved reading the advanced manuscript you were kind enough to send to me. So we're delighted to help you get the word out about it. Will it fly, Pat? And thanks for coming on and sharing your information so generously, as you always do, with the 48 Days community. Thank you so much. Thank you uh, to everybody else out there who's listening. I appreciate you and your support. And um, here's to making it fly. Absolutely. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Well, there you go. I'm always delighted to talk to Pat. You know, sometimes people think, well, if somebody's had a little bit of success or notoriety, like Pat on Smart Passive Income, that they're just untouchable, they're out of reach. That's not true at all. Pat's one of those guys that's very approachable. I mean, you show up at any of these conferences that we all seem to go to, uh, very approachable. You can grab him, sit down, talk to him, pick his brain, but he made his contact information very available there. Again, it's willitflybook.com. Now, here's the deal. This is not some you know, $5,000 course that I'm recommending. You can go there, click right through to Amazon and spend $12.87 to get the actual physical book. $12.87. But this is one of those things. I mean, the, the subtitle of the book is how to test your next business idea so you don't waste your time and money. I mean, is it worth $12 to check out how to get your idea off the ground? I would think so. You hear me talk about investing in your personal development. You need to be investing in your personal development. If you're not, chances are things are going to continue just as they are. But I recommend 5% of your income on personal development. So that means if you're making $12 an hour, I know things are tight if you're making $12 an hour, but that means $100 a month. You spend $100 a month on things that will develop you personally, it'll start to creep your income up, get you out of the hole that you're in and increase that. Now, obviously if you're making $50,000 a year, it's about double that. So you ought to be spending $200 a month. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars, you ought to be spending $400 a month. And I know people who continue that, that particular formula, even as their income goes up into the millions of dollars where they continue to spend 5% on personal development. But I love the way Pat unpacks discovering, identifying your unfair advantage. What makes you unique? I talked about that a lot on here. If you're just like everybody else, 
you don't have any value. But if you understand what is your unique, unfair advantage, that's what starts to separate you and starts to raise your level of success. Well, let me go into some questions here. Whatever time we've got left, we'll just spend on questions. This comes from Cam. Now, Cam shot me a note and said, Dan, will you, would you mind taking a second and, and looking at my GFM page? And that's my GoFundMe page. Now, GoFundMe is a place where you can put up and you just say that, gee, you broke your leg, you can't work. Will people please feel sorry for you and send money? So it's, you know, I'm sure it has an application. He says, I know we're complete strangers, but hopefully you can learn a little about, about, my, about me. If you feel like it's a campaign you can support, I would be eternally grateful. Even better, if you have colleagues or friends who might be as passionate as I am in regards to in, involving, invoking creativity within the youth, sharing the page would also be beneficial. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Now, what Cam did, he had a site where he said that he's in school full time, but he really wants to have some musical instruments so he can develop his skills and talents in that area. Ultimately, he'd like to have a little studio where other people could come in and use it, but he was looking for $5,000. Go fund me. Well, no, that's not something that I would share or recommend or contribute to. And I was very forthright and got a great response back from Cam about it. But I, here's my initial response to Cam. And he said, I hope you're not offended by me sharing this with you. Well, I said, no, certainly I'm not offended at all by you sharing this with me. But it's a pretty tough approach to expect people to help you out with this. From the pictures, and he showed, you know, his little music room now, you obviously already have some nice equipment. You've chosen to be a student rather than working to create income. I mean, that's a choice. You don't, nobody's telling you to go to school, so you cut your income generation off. Yeah, that's a choice. And while you mentioned making the studio available to others, it's just too much about you to cause people to dig into their pockets. Personally, I think you'd be far better off and find energy better spent by simply being creative about how you could earn that $5,000. If you know musical equipment, you could buy and sell a few pieces on eBay. You could teach music lessons. You could play for session work. You could create a short course on music basics or offer to provide background music parties for $100 an hour. When you have plenty of options for raising the money and getting the equipment you need, GoFundMe is just not a good choice. Well, he received it very, very well, responded back. He was going to do some of those things and ultimately agreed with me. You know, this is a tough kind of issue. I mean, we met with a sweet young couple recently, and they really have a heart to grow the arts. You know, they do art show. They like to do plays where they let kids come and get involved as actors and actresses. And they do that. Well, the only way that this thing works is if people give them money to do it. And they were interested in having, you know, Joanne be on their board and for us to help them with that. I don't think it's a good plan. I think there are way better ways to make something financially feasible than to just do your little passion and hope people feel sorry for you and give you money. It just, it, it, man, that's a tough thing. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a whole lot easier. I think it's easier to go earn the money than to write a grant proposal. Frankly, I mean, I know there are grants out there, but those are a lot of work. Just do something creative. There's so many options for generating real fair income these days that to just sit back pining because, you know, God's not blessing your dream because people aren't giving you money. Well, there's often not a good reason to give you money 
for what it is you're doing, even if it's a worthy, godly, humanitarian kind of cause. Be more creative than that. Separate yourself from the pack by coming up with a a better way to do it. Well, this comes from Kevin. Kevin says, I'm stuck in a low-level warehouse position that barely covers the family bills. Barely. But the debts are slowly creeping up, and I haven't been able to even make a dent in my student loans. I have a bachelor's degree. Went to college two other times. I have 16 years experience running a small business and I can't get past entry level or low pay menial positions. If I take a new entry level position now and get five years new experience, I'm 40 and I'll be beaten out by someone who's 30 with twice the experience. Am I trapped in this pit of entry level? What good is my experience if it has no value and no employees want it? Well, let me be again real direct on that particular thing. What good is your experience if it has no value and no employees want it? You, you're dead in the water. I mean, if that's really true, if you don't have experience that's valuable, that doesn't have value to employers, no, you aren't going to make more than seven fifty an hour. And, and rightfully so. But you have to take responsibility for that. Surely there's something that you do. I mean, last week I had a story about a guy who decided he didn't want the rotating shift hours, even though they paid more. And he took a position as a janitor in his company and he did his work with such excellence. The company offered to pay him $10,000 a week to just take over janitorial responsibilities for the whole company. I mean, what a cool deal and a a momentous leap forward for him. Well, you got to look at what it is you do. You've got to identify what is your unfair advantage. What is it that you do really well? And if there's nothing there, then right, you are absolutely dead in the water. Now, one more real quick here. Um, I'm going to just shorten this. Travis says, I've been listening to your podcast, emails, books, and more for several years. have a bit of a personal question for you. I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately regarding my career, along with how money-making methods fit in with the rest of my life. I would really benefit from your thoughts on a few matters. Question, in your experience, did starting a business you were passionate about improve primarily the career facet of your life, or did it have cascading positive effects across your entire life? If I were to rank all my life areas from one to 10, almost everything would be an eight or above except for my career. I make fairly good money for someone my age, but I have just about zero passion for what I do. Is it worth it to risk the perceived stability of a steady corporate job to potentially improve just one area of my life when the rest is good? I often tell myself my dissatisfaction with my job is a sacrifice I choose to make to make to provide a stable life for myself, my wife and baby. No, I don't think it's responsible. I don't think it's a worthy ideal to be in a job that you don't really like thinking that you're being responsible because you're providing for your family because you are not at your best in what you describe. You want to release the very best that you have. So if that means having a business of your own, when I went into business for myself, yeah, it was, it was not just to make more money. There are plenty of ways to make money working for companies. It was not just that it was to improve my life in multiple ways. It was to improve my life. Yes. Financially. Yes, in terms of time freedom, but it was to improve my life as a daddy. It was to improve my life as a husband, my availability to my children, my ability to participate with them in sporting events that they wanted to go to, our ability to connect with other family members when we wanted to. Those are all things. Yes, everything in my life went up in success. 
when I chose to be in business for myself. And that's why I continue to do so. Look for and solutions. Don't look for these trade-offs and think, well, I'm doing okay here, but that means I'm sacrificing over here. It doesn't have to be that way. Boy, and this is not just being selfish or egotistical. This is about releasing the very best that God has put in you. That's how you do it. Be in work that you absolutely love. That will increase your ability to be a great daddy, husband, neighbor, community member, church participant, all those things. Those things go up. These things elevate together, go down together. Frankly, I think you're compromising your success in some of the other areas that you may rake high right now because your emotional energy, your sense of satisfaction and fulfillment is not where it ought to be. It's going to compromise your ability to be great in some of those other areas. Hey, go back to the drawing board, figure out what it would take to move up in career along with and know that that is a big piece. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing we spend a lot of time in. So if it's great, the rest of our life is going to be great. It'll spill over, it will cascade like you're talking about. If it's not great, it's going to diminish the greatness that we're going to experience in those other areas as well. Well, I know you can figure it out. Thanks for your question, Travis. Great, thoughtful question. Figure it out. But continue to be part of this amazing group we've got here of people who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You don't have to settle for less. You really can. 